Coming up this week on Medical Minefield, Harley Street dermatologist Dr David Fenton. Patients don't have the opportunity to have a detailed consultation. They're just obtaining the drug online without really delving into the potential side effects and how it may be relevant to them. And campaigner Simon Brydert. I was quite happy to hear that MHRA was picking up the topic. I think it's a critical step towards recognition of the maybe lasting side effects of finasteride that many patients talk about. Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Eve Simmons. And I'm Ethan Ennels. And we're health journalists who spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week, we're asking just how safe is the hair loss drug that's taken by millions of men? As always, we'd love to know what you think. If you have a question or a comment, you can tweet us. We're at MedMinefield or email us on health at mailonsunday.co.uk. So, Ethan, it seems as though men's health is having quite the moment. Every time I go onto Google and Google something about men's health, I find myself met with an array of different products from these strange companies that seem to be kind of marketing themselves as like a millennial wellness brand, but they're actually selling medication. You've been looking into this this week, specifically a drug that one of these companies, well, lots of these companies sell called finasteride. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the concerns are with this? Sure. So finasteride is a very effective hair loss medication, which in the last few years has been marketed heavily to men through online companies such as HIMSS. But it's not just a hair loss medication, is it? It's also used, it's licensed for something else on so the this NHS. So this is the fascinating thing about finasteride. It was first conceived of in the 90s as a drug for enlarged prostates. It's a condition that men in middle age get, which affects their ability to pee. Mm-hmm. When these men started taking the drug, when it was first approved in the 90s, the ones who were bald started regrowing hair. Wow. And no one had expected it to happen. Bonus massive bonus Mm -hmm. and the company which creates it thought massive financial bonus Mm. let's turn into a hair loss drug so they reduced the size of the dose to one milligram and they found in trials that around 80 percent of men who took it saw their hair loss stop Mm -hmm. and 65 percent saw their hair even grow back wow so amazing amazing drug and it's gone absolute gangbusters since then Hims, which is one of the major companies that sells it in the UK, doubled their profit in the last year. And these are one of the, these sort of trendy men's health companies. Very trendy, that, very that Instagram to, friendly, yeah, TikTok friendly. And they help you with everything from hair loss to erectile dysfunction to hmm. mental health problems. It's, it's often the conditions which traditionally men have been ashamed of. Mm. So like say erectile dysfunction mm. or hair loss. And it's trying to kind of rebrand it as... A groovy thing, you know, it's it, this whole idea that, you know, the cool thing is to talk about these conditions. Mm. But that also means it's cool to buy our drugs but you're, to it's, solve your condition. It's a tough balance, isn't it? Because as far as I know, you're not supposed to market mm. prescription medication. Yes. And a lot of these ads air during football matches. Mm. There's a quite notorious one which says, stop the despair, despair, despair of hair loss. But obviously they don't mention the drug. They make you go to the website and you order Mm. the drug. And what the companies will tell you, and this is 
true based off previous studies is the drug is mostly safe and risk-free. And do you have to have a consultation with a doctor or...? You have to fill in an online questionnaire, right? which is checked by an in-house clinician, Mm -hmm. and then they send the pills to you in the post. The questionnaire will ask you how serious is your hair loss, do you have any history of mental health, but you're free to check that box how you like, and then the pills arrive in the post, and you take one every day for as long as you like. There is no limit on how long you're meant to take it. In fact, you're meant to continue taking it. And what we have found over the last 20 years is that while early studies picked up very few side effects, mm. over time, there has been growing worries about finasteride. Still very small amounts of people, but in the last three years, especially, the number of people reporting adverse side effects to the medical authorities in the UK has tripled. And that's basically in line with when these online firms started selling finasteride on the web Mm. around the same time as COVID, when everything went online. And you're revealing in the Mail on Sunday this weekend, aren't you, that the health authorities are now looking into the drug and its safety. Exactly. Well, we wrote about this issue back in 2021 and talked about the concerns that experts had about these companies selling the drugs. We've since found out from sources of ours that the MHRA, which is the UK's medical agency, has now launched a safety probe into finasteride because they have had so many of these adverse events Mm. reported. And these events include loss of libido, depression, anxiety, insomnia, slurred speech, erectile dysfunction, and even penis shrinkage. Oh, God. Nobody wants that. No one wants that. And and it's important to say we're talking relatively low numbers. It's several hundred people have reported some of these symptoms in the last year. But what campaigners would say is that number only represents a portion of the total population because not everyone gets a symptom and says, I need to go to the medical regulators Mm, right away and report it. it, But what we have seen is this steady growth of these symptoms Mm. and men who long after they stop taking finasteride, that's the really crazy bit. They call it post-finasteride syndrome, where people come off finasteride and then months, years after taking the drug, they're still getting these side effects. And they believe they're getting these side effects because of finasteride. Interesting. So similar to what we reported a while ago on post-serotonin syndrome, which is um, when you stop taking Mm. uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, you get these symptoms that, that continue. It's also worth saying that the way that the medical body collects these reports, it's all based on self-reports. So we don't have any proof that the symptoms are definitely linked to the drug that you're taking, right? Because it's just anyone can go on to the website and log a report and it's, you know, it's just according to your experience. Yeah, people might remember this debate from the COVID vaccination mm. where we, everyone's talking about yellow card reports, which is what these are, where if you've had a drug or a vaccination, you can go online and report a side effect. So you're right. It's, it's important to state that these aren't definite side effects related to the drugs. It's what someone thinks has happened to them. But we do know that there is increasing evidence. Uh, there was a small study done in the States a few years back, which found that 70% of about 25 men, a small trial of 25 men, 70% of them had penis shrinkage. We also know that the company who created the drug called Merck has settled lawsuits totaling up to about £3.5 million to patients out of court. You know, they've, they've handed over cash rather than go to court. 
because patients are so sure that they've suffered these symptoms. So increasingly, there, there does seem to be fire where there is smoke. And that's clearly what the MHRA thinks because they've now launched this probe and they're interviewing patients who have suffered from the condition. They are going back and looking at the evidence that the company has presented to them. There's no clear timeline of when they're going to report, but you know this is in the works and this has gone from being something which campaigners have urged for, for years and got nowhere to you know a very real change. Well, I think now we should speak to somebody who prescribes the drug regularly and says that it, it can be incredibly safe. On the line now is Harley Street dermatologist Dr. David Fenton. Dr. Fenton, thank you so much for joining us. Now, you prescribe finasteride semi-regularly, I, I guess. Have you seen some pretty difficult symptoms and side effects in some of your patients? I prescribe finasteride fairly routinely for men with male pattern baldness because my practice is really only involving hair problems and hair issues. I'm careful with the prescribing. A lot of my patients are on less than the recommended dosage. So instead of one one milligram tablet a day, they take perhaps alternate days or sometimes even only once or twice a week. And because we monitor their DHT levels whilst they're on the drug and the baseline, we get very little in the way of side effects. And certainly we haven't come across anything dramatic. And the few that do have side effects uh, seem to recover on withdrawing the drug. You mentioned DHT. Forgive me, I'm not entirely familiar on what that is. Are you able to explain to us how the drug works? Right. So there's a natural pathway in the body for testosterone, the male hormone, to be metabolized. Uh, and it converts normally to dihydrotestosterone, or DHT as it's commonly known, by an enzyme, 5-alpha reductase. And this is the point at which finasteride, the drug, works. It inhibits this enzyme 5-alpha reductase. So it's a 5-alpha reductase inhibitor and it reduces the amount of uh, DHT that's produced by the body. That's surprising because I guess, you know, a layman would think that the more testosterone you have in the body, the more hair you you will grow. Well, in general terms, that's a reasonable um, assumption. But dihydrotestosterone is a biologically more active form of testosterone and is more responsible for male pattern baldness in young men and for prostate enlargement in older men. And when it was used as a five milligram tablet or as it when it, it is used now even for prostate problems as a five milligram tablet, it was found that the older men who had male pattern baldness started to regrow some hair. So they took the dose down to one milligram to reduce the chance of side effects and it was still enough to help with the hair loss and to regrow some hair. Mm. And do we have any idea why this particular set of side effects occur? I'd say the majority of patients on the drug don't get side effects. Perhaps 95% of people don't get problems, but perhaps up to 4% would get reduced libido, reduced sex drive, and some will get erectile dysfunction. Some will get breast tissue sensitivity, swelling of breast tissue, lumpiness, even very rarely breast cancer, which in a man is very unusual, pretty rare. And more recently, we've discovered that some patients apparently report anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts. And whereas previously it was always considered that once you stop the drug, the side effects uh, disappear and reverse, it seems that in recent times there are group of patients in whom they stop the drug and the side effects don't disappear. And this is the basis behind the recently described post-finasteride syndrome. 
Dr. Swenson, it, it sounds in that case like this it can be a pretty potent drug. Are you saying this is a drug which needs to be treated with care? Yes, absolutely. And although it's not possible for most uh, practitioners to measure the hormone levels, it is useful because you find that some patients do naturally have low levels of DHT and don't require the full one milligram a day dosage to suppress those levels. They can achieve that with less. So it's possible that some of the patients who are getting side effects are getting them because the dose that they're on is too much for them. Do you think there are other risk factors too, such as, I don't know, a history of mental health, or maybe they they just don't even have hair problems in the first place? Is, Is that something you'd take into account when prescribing? I think the recommendations at the moment are if there's any history of previous anxiety disorder or depression, then perhaps because of the the recently described side effects with anxiety and depression, the patient ought not to have it, Mm. ought not to try the drug. And equally, if there's any previous history of swelling of breast tissue, what we call gynecomastia, or erectile problems or libido problems, then they're probably best avoiding that and trying other types of treatment for the hair loss. Right. And in terms of if the if someone came to you and said, I haven't had much hair loss yet, but I, I'm worried about it and maybe it might happen in the future. So I'd like to get on the drug. Would you put them on it? To use it prophylactically is quite a big decision. There are safer things that you can use prophylactically like minoxidil, commonly known as regain extra lotion. And that's relatively safe. Mm. And that, that's because it's a weaker drug. Yes, I mean, originally that was on prescription, but it's now so safe it's available over the counter in any retail pharmacy. So that is safer than trying hormonal therapy. Is that as effective, though? Uh, it's, no, it's not as effective, but if you're using it incredibly early and you, you haven't lost hair, but you're concerned that you may, so you're just using it protectively, prophylactically, that may well be sufficient. The increase in reported side effects of finasteride seems to match quite closely the increased accessibility of the drugs online. Is this something which concerns you? Yeah, because this is perhaps the reason that we're seeing increased symptoms like this, because the patients don't have the opportunity to have a a detailed, in-depth discussion with a a doctor, a specialist perhaps, um, in consultation. They're just obtaining the drug online without really delving into the potential side effects and how it may be relevant to them. So do you think maybe an outcome, a proposed outcome of, of this MHRA safety review is, is, is tied to regulations on these online firms? Is that something you'd like to see? Uh, it's certainly something that they ought to consider. And if, if it's a particular population, perhaps say a particular age group that's getting the, um, the side effects and particularly the post-finasteride syndrome reported side effects, then perhaps those are the patients who should be referred to a specialist to have more detailed assessment. Do you mean a slightly younger population? Uh, well, it seems so, because I don't think that the same degree of side effects of the same problem with post-finasteride syndrome has been recognised in older men using the higher dose for prostate problems. Hmm. Dr. Fenton, do you ever see patients with these kind of problems that are pre-existing the finasteride prescription? So, you know, I know that there is literature to suggest that men who experience hair loss are more likely to develop certain mental health problems, potentially kind of psychological disturbances that could affect their libido because of the sort of self-consciousness that comes along with the hair loss. Does that make it difficult to understand what causes what? 
Yes, I think so to some degree because, you know, some of these symptoms are very subjective. It's hard to measure. And certainly if there's been any previous suggestion of libido problems or erectile problems, then that type of drug should be avoided or certainly the outcome should be discussed in a, in a lot of detail. And apart from finasteride and minoxidil, if someone doesn't want to take medication, is there anything that a patient can do to improve their hair growth? Well, most of the time uh, when patients come to see me, I'm investigating to find out what maybe is the cause for the hair loss. Even if it's male pattern baldness, often we have a situation where somebody is going bald very early, prematurely, and there isn't a family history of people going bald quite as early. So we investigate in detail particularly with blood work, which is why we have a lot of detail on their hormone levels. So there may be other things going on. There may be anemias, nutritional problems, thyroid problems, autoimmune disease. There may be other issues that need to be dealt with Mm. that may be the reason for getting hair loss at such an early age. And sometimes when you find reasons and you correct it, that can be helpful, maybe even enough. And these aren't things you can do online, are they? No, this needs to be investigated with a detailed consultation and then decision. Well, Dr. David Fenton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for asking. Do you know any famous people that take finasteride, Ethan? It's funny you say that because there's there's one quite infamous person who takes finasteride, which is former President Donald Trump. Wow. Former US president, you should say. Of course, because people might be unclear on that. Yeah. That's insane. I thought that he wore a wig. I think he tries everything. Well, you you would kind of throw everything at it. Is it a wig or a toupee? They're the same thing. Are they? A toupee is a wig. I thought a toupee was like a section of a wig. It's a a wig. It's a type of wig. Well, a wig is just fake hair, isn't it? And didn't it blow off at one point? Yeah, I think think so. That's probably why he uses the finasteride. And who knows whether he's had any penis shrinkage. I I really don't want to know about that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's Donald, if you fancy thought. telling us, we're all <laughs> Right into medical minefield. But in all seriousness, I mean, this is a, a condition that really affects people's lives, isn't it? You've been speaking to some some patients. It's it's really horrible. And it's I can't even imagine what these people go through. I mean, from their point of view, and it's important to say that because this is a condition not recognised by the NHS currently, although this MHRA review might change that, we cannot say for sure that these patients are being affected by the drug. Mm. But to these patients, there is no other explanation because one day they were fine, then they started taking the drug, they got the symptoms, they came off the drug and the symptoms stayed and in some cases got worse. You know, I've been speaking to a man who's been having post finasteride symptoms such as loss of libido and erectile dysfunction and skin problems and anxiety and insomnia. And he's been having that since 2013. Mm. And it just doesn't end and there is no cure because how can there be a cure when we don't really understand the condition? Mm. It reminds me a lot of the Ruaccutane debate uh, that, you know, patients and families for a long time have said that there could be no other explanation for why their loved one has experienced extreme mental health problems in some cases actually killing themselves and it's quite obvious to them that it's the pill they they believe because that's the only link but of course it's absolutely almost impossible to prove that that's the case and you'll have experts saying well we don't know that that's that's what happened and that it was the the fault of the drug but I think that what those cases show is that you really have to listen to patients because there's Mm. been countless examples of when 
actually, you know, the research has been done and it has been proven that this drug has caused this problem. And another great example is long COVID. We still don't know what causes long COVID, mm. but that doesn't mean we don't accept it as a condition. The government accepts it as a condition. This is on obviously a much smaller scale than long COVID, but if you tally up the amount of people taking this drug, we don't know how many people exactly take it in the UK because it's prescribed privately and private clinics aren't obliged to say how many prescriptions they're giving out. But to give a comparison, the US, it's around a million people. So there are tens of thousands of people in the UK likely on this drug. Yeah, well, if it's a really effective drug that just makes your hair grow back, why wouldn't everyone be on it? I think think that's a real question. Mm. I, I asked myself this when I was looking into this story this week. I'm lucky enough right now to have You've hair. got a lovely set of locks. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And I think all men are worried. Really? It's one of men's greatest fears, I'd say, is losing your hair. And that's what these companies play on. They play on men's greatest fears, which are sexual performance problems and hair loss problems. And that's why and nothing else. No, that's all we care about. It's all we care about. And the football scores. Obviously. And simple being. Yeah. But Equally, simple beings, if simple beings lose their essentials, such as their hair, it's awful. And you don't, you might feel emasculated. You might feel like you won't find a partner Mm. if you're still dating. You might worry that your current partner may no longer find you sexy. Do you see that story in the Times last week about the woman who wrote about her husband and said, my husband used to be hot. Now look at him. I did, yeah, because he's bald. No, well, he, he, had, he had a full head of hair. Yeah. So imagine what she'd be saying if he was bald. Well, I don't know. Maybe she decided that she liked bald men. Yeah, true. But I that... do think there's a lot of couples that would say that regardless of the amount of hair that the person has. But... And I, I think, yeah, I think ultimately people can roll about personalities. But when you are the person losing your hair and it's falling out in clumps, you will reach for any possible tool you can. And if I say to you, here is a drug which not only stops you losing hair, but it regrows your hair, but there is a small, small chance that you might have symptoms for years to come i think a lot of men would still try their luck Mm. well you are going to speak to someone right now who has been experiencing these awful symptoms for a while yes joining us now is simon brider chairman of the post finasteride syndrome research association simon thanks for joining us can you tell us what were your first thoughts when you heard that the mhra was launching this investigation into finasteride Yeah, I was quite happy to hear that uh, the MHRA was uh, picking up the topic. Here in Germany, we already have like many court trials running against uh, pharmaceutical companies. And in France, they already have uh, changed the leaflet package, for example, including insomnia, which happens or seems to happen a lot in in patients who have taken finasteride and suffering from persisting side effects after withdrawing the medication. So I think it's a critical step towards recognition of the maybe lasting side effects of finasteride that many patients talk about. Do you feel up until now this is an issue which has been largely ignored? Yes, I think I think it's a, it has been ignored and there has been little recognition because the, the post-finasteride syndrome is in many ways similar to the post-COVID syndrome or long COVID. So it's difficult to find a good biomarker. So I think those patients haven't been believed in the past, but now evidence among the patients and from the last studies are raising the question if the medication indeed might lead to long-term side effects that hold several years or maybe even for, for a lifetime. So 
from my personal circle of friends and family, I know several people who had side effects and in some cases they didn't reside and one even killed himself. And I think the actual number of people having post-finasteroid syndrome or side effects from finasteroid might be a lot higher than people and professionals think that, that they are. Is that because people don't want to talk about having these symptoms? Yeah, I, I think there's several reasons. I, th- I think one of them is in most countries, it's a private medication. So there's not a good count on how many patients receive the medication and how high is the percentage of people having side effects. Then there's also many people who say the side effects were starting during taking finasteride and they continued afterwards or they even started when withdrawing the medication, which is unbelievable for most doctors, but there's some evidence that this is really true. And yeah, and of course, there's a lot of stigma because um, many patients were taking the medication against hair loss, which which they are ashamed of itself, but also post-finasteride syndrome or many side effects from finasteride itself are uh, connected to uh, sexual dysfunction, for example, erectile dysfunction or loss of libido. And that's a topic which is very sensitive and uh, people are afraid to speak out because of that. You yourself have in the past spoken about your experiences of suffering from this condition. Can you tell us a bit about that? When did you start taking the drugs and, and when did you start noticing symptoms? Yeah, I had taken uh, finasteride myself against hair loss. I started taking it in 2015 and I was fine for about two years without any side effects. First side effects that I noticed or symptoms that I had, I didn't really connect it to finasteride because they weren't uh, mentioned in the leaflet. Especially insomnia was really, really crazy so that at the worst point, I could only sleep one hour per night for six weeks and it took me about one and a half years to sleep more than four hours per night. That had devastating effects on my on my health. And it took me many years to get to, to a point where I could work and, and normal again and have normal relationships because it was so impacting. Many of those side effects are not listed in the leaflet package, but they if you look into the stories of patients who report post-finasteroid syndrome, there seems to be a pattern of repeating symptoms, and one which is very prominent is insomnia. In France, it's already listed in the leaflet package, but in, in other countries like England and Germany, it's still lacking. Simon, the, the symptoms that come with post-finasteride syndrome are quite common. So things like insomnia, sexual dysfunction, etc. I wonder how can you be completely sure that it was the drug that caused these side effects? So, first of all, it's already proven in, in some studies that finasteride can cause erectile dysfunction and there's a high association with mood disorders like depression while being on finasteride. So, there's a pattern if you look into the post-finasteride syndrome people, patients who have that, there's a pattern of, of symptoms that are repeated itself. Many people think post-finasteroid syndrome might be maybe just something like depression, but there's also many symptoms like muscle wastage or loss of all emotions which don't happen in depression and many physical symptoms. In your personal experience, Simon, how can you be sure that it was the drug which triggered your symptoms? I mean, I can only make the connection, right? Before I was completely fine and while taking finasteroid and tapering it off, I got sick and there was no other medication that could 
have caused it or any other condition or other things around. So I can only look what other people have experienced who have taken the drug and do my symptoms match with their symptoms. So far, we don't have a biomarker, but we have very good research that is pointing out that uh, this disease is probably very real. And when you say biomarker, you mean a test which we could give someone to find out whether they have the condition or not? Yeah, it's going to be very difficult to make a test because, for example, there's a study showing that patients with post steroid syndrome have changes in 3,000 genes, epigenetic changes. So it would be very difficult to create a test of this. But if there was a test which would be funded with a lot of money, of course, one could test these biomarkers and see that there are changes in these patients. Simon, if you came across a young man now who was really struggling with hair loss and it was really getting him down and it was affecting his mental health, presumably you would say, you know, you wouldn't advise him to take finasteride. But what else is there that you would advise someone to do? I think one needs to think about why young people are taking the drug in the first place. So most young people, they feel ashamed because they're losing hair. They think they're not attractive anymore to women. So I think it comes down to insecurity issues in, in men. And I think it would be good to let men know that even if they go bald, that it's not a big thing and that it's not worth risking one's health by taking a drug that might stop the hair loss. Well said. Well, Simon, thank you very much for joining us this afternoon. Thank you for having me. So do we need a better PR campaign for bald people? Is that the solution? I think that might be a good idea, but it's easy to say when you're the one who isn't going bald. Mm. I think it's always going to be an anxiety. And I also think it's important to say that there aren't many people calling for a blanket ban on this drug. Even many people affected by finasteride would accept that by and large it is safe. But what they are worried about is the rampant level of prescriptions where all the due diligence is done over the internet through mm. online questionnaires. Remotely, right? Remotely, now, exactly. Face-to-face appointments. Yeah, mm. and that's what Dr. Fenton was talking about, the, the importance of talking to someone face-to-face and doing blood tests and working out what their priorities are and also just working out whether they actually need it or not. I think it's worth saying, though, for a lot of men, you know, like you touched on earlier, things that affect your appearance, like losing your hair, it might seem a bit shallow or, you know, not kind of small fry. But in fact, these problems can really affect somebody's mental health and their confidence and the way that they live their life and their quality of life. And for somebody who takes the drug and doesn't get side effects, I mean, it could be a completely revolutionary, life-changing drug. So we shouldn't be denying people Mm. that. And also, you know, weighing up the risks of not having access to the drug if somebody is really struggling. Yeah. And we know that hair loss can cause depression, anxiety, which are two symptoms of post-finasteride syndrome. So you've got to weigh it up. And I think something. sometimes it's all very well to say, well, we should just celebrate bald people and normalize. say it's fine to be normalize bald. This, and, normalize that. Yeah, but actually for a lot of people, they take a pill and it sorts out the thing they're worried about and then they're golden. Yeah, it, it seems such as a depressing fact. as that is. I, I think you have to always be sceptical of medical solutions which are presented as simple and easy. Playing around with your bodily hormones is never simple and easy. It's such a slippery slope. 
Because one thing impacts another thing and then another thing and then another thing and it's all interlinked and then before you know it, you've got penis shrinkage. 100%. And if you said to someone, we're going to potentially cut off your entire supply of testosterone, I think anyone would hear that and say, well, that sounds pretty bad. I'm not sure I want that. I think that that's the problem, isn't it? That consumers, when they see a quick fix, they don't ask. It's the same problem as we've had since the dawn of time. They don't ask how you get to that end point. They just want the end point. Mm, Exactly. Well, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for on Medical Minefield this week. You can catch all the latest health news in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday, which you can consume in old-fashioned paper form or on the Mail app or by visiting mailplus.co.uk. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye. Goodbye.